This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 70 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you enjoy what we do with the On The Banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us just by searching On The Banks. As we sit back, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay home, make sure to check out OnTheBanks.com for all your Rutgers sports news, opinions, and information. As I say to all my guests, I'll say the same to you, all of our great listeners. I hope everyone right now hearing my voice is safe and healthy. I am very excited to be joined on the podcast by the head coach of Rutgers Men's Golf and Golf Week's Division I Northeast Coach of the Year, Rob Schutte. As you'll hear in our conversation, Coach Schutte has this program on an upwards trajectory and, and has the team primed for an even higher finish next season. Everyone except Tony Jang returns next year, and they are led once again by the current Big Ten Golfer of the Year, Chris Goderup. You know, I always get excited having the Olympic sport coaches on because I really enjoy shining light on all the success Rutgers non-revenue sports are having. While football, men's and women's basketball, wrestling get a lot of the attention, these Olympic sports are showing great improvement year after year. Whether it's gymnastics led by Umi Selim Beasley, lacrosse led by Brian Brecht, field hockey led by Meredith Civico, or golf led by Rob Schutte, among others, the Olympic sports are true bright spots in Rutgers athletics. They show progress, competitiveness, and success often. They are certainly playing a huge role in the success of the athletic department overall, and most importantly, making a big statement on their field of competition in the Big Ten. Time to talk to the coaches. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. He has led Rutgers golf since 2012, and most recently in their shortened season, he led Rutgers to their highest Big Ten finish since joining the conference. I'm now very excited to be joined by the head coach of Rutgers men's golf, Rob Schutte. Coach, how are you? Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. So how has this adjustment been for you? Obviously, things in New Jersey are starting to open back up, but even with the phased reopening underway, we still haven't returned to anywhere near normal. How have you adjusted to this new reality? You know, what's life been like in the Shooty household during this pandemic? It's kind of been, uh, I guess, the best the, the best and the worst of, of times. And the standpoint that, you know, I got three young kids and to be able to, you know, they're used to me being on the road a lot and not being around. So in, in that regards, uh, of course, you're working hard and uh, every day and, and so much to still advance uh, remotely uh, with the program. But, you know, you're home for dinner every night. So that regard has been awesome because, you know, really for the first, uh, I'm 39 now, so I've been coaching for 16 years. So their whole life, of course, I've, I've always had lots of interruptions. And so that part's been awesome. And, and of course, the, the, the other side of that is uh, it's just been very abnormal to uh, not be around the guys as much. And we are we're still in a period where we're not able to, you know, really be with them, you know, with the return to play. And that's going to change here pretty soon, but it's just hard to – you know, they want us to be with them. They want us to, uh, especially the guys that are local, and, and we're just unable to to really be with them in person still, too. And, and so that part's really tough. But, um, you know, I guess we're balancing all. I guess it's, it's weird to say that it's almost become a little bit normal, and maybe it'll feel weird when we get back to normal. I guess I don't even know what normal is. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing okay. I mean, it's, the, the virtual recruiting and all that's become a whole other area that uh, you've learned how to, like, adapt. I guess it's like a bad injury and you figure out how to work around the injury or whatever. So we're figuring out ways around the, the challenges and how do we continue to advance the program to, to new heights here, uh, given the kind of the, the challenges everybody has. So let's talk about this unexpected shortened season that happened. Like every sport that was temporarily canceled, everyone was obviously caught by surprise. You know, I've spoken to some of your fellow coaches at Rutgers, and while they all knew the virus was obviously growing, nobody thought it would wipe out the winter championships and then the spring season. What was your reaction when you first heard the news that the season was over? You know, where and when did you find out? And what were your thoughts surrounding what was really an unprecedented stoppage? Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, we we had... uh, two-time uh, all-ping regional player and Tony Jang, who was kind of second on a lot of different records this year, has been a great player, our lone senior this year, and had, has full status on the PGA Tour China. He subsequently just is not coming back, and he's turning pro. Now, he, he's from China. So it's funny because I think leading up in, in February, and we're, we're starting to first hear about some things, and, and he was taking a very serious before we were, you know, I guess alerted by the health officials, uh, how it was really going to start to impact us. And so I think, it's, you know, his teammates and, and probably myself to some degree were downplaying a little bit, knowing how, how serious it was. And, and he was, you know, wearing masks early on. And um, so it was funny to have kind of that perspective, I guess, ironic, you know, funny, but and now kind of looking how it's all played out that, uh, you know, how the masks have been viewed and, and required and, and uh, how the pandemic came. So we were headed out to, an unbelievable trip. And again, this is kind of the sad part of the story. We had a, a spring break trip planned to California and um, Tony really wanted to go there as a lone senior and a bunch of other guys did too. We had an amazing setup and that's really where it was going down that week with, you know, men's basketball in the, in the, the big 10 tournament. And that was kind of the, when it was all happening there. And where was I? I think it was, you know, we had conversations as head coaches of, of how to, what decision to make. I made the decision to, to shut down spring break uh, under, you know, the caution and, and looking at the pros and the cons and what was out there. And, and of course, before it really got to that date is when everything got officially shut down anyway. So uh, I was sitting at home on the, I guess it was just such a bizarre day. Was it that Wednesday or Thursday? I just had the big 10 network on and watching the warmups of, of Rutgers in Michigan and at my computer and, and uh, just kind of that feeling when they said, uh, you know, the game's canceled and then everything else got canceled and everything else just became this snowball that was, uh, it's, I think it's something I'll never forget. I hate to say it, it's kind of cliche-ish, but, you know, just, this is what you do as a coach. It was such a, uh, a big thing. At least right now, it feels like I remember what that moment felt like to just be like, this is, this is actually happening here. So uh, and it, I think it took a while to sink in, too. Even though we knew it was canceled, I think it was still kind of this sense that uh, it's, you know, it's like maybe it's like when someone passes away and, you know, you just don't realize that they, they really are, you know, passed away from this earth. But that's kind of the feeling like, oh, we'll, we'll get back. We're still going to get back. It's not really happening here. And eventually it became, became uh, you know, became real. And, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because from all the coaches I've talked to, a lot of the belief when this first happened or when that cancellation first happened was that, oh, this will be a two, three week thing. And then, you know, we'll be back in in mid-April or early May and we'll be able to get sports back and going. Now, obviously that didn't happen. But was that kind of your thought as well that, yeah, it'll be, you know, two, three, maybe a month shutdown and then we'll ultimately be able to get everything back and, you know, hopefully resume to some point uh, the, the golf season? Once they shut the Masters down, I knew we were in trouble. So I felt like, you know, the Masters, uh, and that happened pretty early on. You know, you just look at that in the top of our sport, and I was like, wow, this is this is the real deal, Holyfield. This is, we're not going backwards here from this probably. So, no, I, once it got canceled, I did not get a sense 
um, that we were going to, I, I had a feeling it was going to get worse before. I think it's just a gut feeling. And sure enough, um, you know, that continued. And of course, once they, I guess maybe a week or two went by and they extended the classes and, you know, being uh, remote. And of course it was, it was, it became very real. And what was your message to the team as a whole when all this news broke? And, you know, you mentioned Tony. What was your message specifically to him? Because, of course, no one knew eligibility-wise at the time what this meant for everyone. Now, obviously, Tony is leaving and going pro. But how did the team take it? And how did Tony react to the sudden, now unknown, of his college golf career? That's a great question. I like to think that we, you know, golf is a game of, of unexpected turns. And, um, you know, you hit a good shot and it, it takes a bad bounce into the bunker or you hit a bad shot and it kicks on the green. I think, you know, maybe with our sport, we get, uh, I guess, used to the fact that it's, it's not always uh, a perfect science and there's there's so many bounces of the ball. And um, I think similarly, you try to train your guys to, you know, be prepared for the unexpected. And uh, certainly when this happens, I don't want to say we were like, you know, talking about, hey, what happens if we have a pandemic and, and we shut this down? Not quite to that degree, but I, I'd like to think that, listen, they, they all had their health, they all had their family, and uh, therefore, you know, we reflected upon it, and it could have been worse. Now, a lot of the guys reflected just how, you know, the underclassmen, the, the non-Tony, uh, non the non-seniors were all like, whoa, how that would have felt different if they were a senior, right? And then, so therefore, to kind of turn the attention to Tony, he's in a tough spot. He really wanted to come back. I mean, he had the extra year of eligibility, but it's just such a tough situation when you have, it's so hard to break through in professional golf. And when you have full status on a tour locked up and he won that qualifier, it looks like the, now the tour is actually going to be delayed a little bit, but regardless when it does start up, he'll have the full season given the, you know, the very best chance to uh, be high enough on the money list to, to retain the card and or move on to the corn Ferry tour or whatever that may be. So it just makes the most sense in, in, in his in his life to uh, to not come back for the extra year because he has that status. If he didn't have the status, I think he probably would, would definitely be coming back. And uh, there's a lot of Big Ten teams that have had their best players, you know, their best seniors come back. And so that'll put us at a little bit of a disadvantage not having that extra that extra depth with Tony. But, um, you know, we're just excited for him. He just, he just left the country. Um, he's flying right now uh, back home and, uh, as we speak. So he's headed, headed back to China to get ready for the tour there. Now, the sport of golf, unlike others, Coach, it was benefited by the fact that courses and range opened, you know, they opened early May here in New Jersey. So unlike other sports, your athletes have been able to practice on their normal field of competition. You know, with those added benefits that golf has been afforded, how have your golfers been able to use course availability to their advantage, you know, work on their game and stay prepared so that when sports do eventually return and kids start to come back to campus, there's really, you know, no rust involved? Yeah, there should be no rust. Great point. Hope they're all listening. <laughs> there shouldn't be any rust. And, and um, you know, listen, they, they, the workouts they can complete, they've all found solutions for the workouts. Um, you know, some states, they shut down on golf longer than others, like Massachusetts. We have, you know, guys up there. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's a little setback with that. But nothing. now that they're opening, uh, you know, the whole country, all of our guys have, have access. And, you know, the only thing you don't have, is uh, is tournament golf you know, access to tournament golf as much because a lot of tournaments have changed. So I would say that that's being the one challenge is you know having our guys be able to get uh, the amount of tournament golf uh, access uh, this summer. So that that might be a little bit of a challenge. But um, other than that, you're right. You should be able to hit the ground running for sure. And what has your experience been like when it comes to obviously maintaining that communication and development? Because obviously. The whole that whole aspect, I should say, changes when you're not seeing your golfers on a daily basis and you can't directly work with them to make the various improvements. So, what has that communication been like, and how have you been able to work with them through a Zoom or through a WebEx to continue that development? 
you know, like I said, with the return to play, you know, normally they're able to you know, ask for uh, instruction, do non-voluntary type stuff, and and get our involvement a bit more. And that that on the golf side, you know, we just got it rolled out for football here and, and basketball, and then you know the Olympic sports will follow. And so, hopefully, that'll come sooner than later. We can you know be with them in person a little bit, um, you know, here this summer if they ask for it in a voluntary type situation. But. No, we try to be in touch with the guys. We're in touch with them every day on text, and then we're we're on the phone call. Myself and Coach Castro, you know, we try to touch base with them once a week, once every two weeks, whatever. In addition with the phone call, and you know, normally you just know what's going on in their lives, and um, you know, certainly try to be a, a sounding board and uh, for them. But from a technical standpoint, it makes it tougher. You know, we got our team meetings, uh, which we have. Um, and, you know, again, that's great, but it's, it's also it's limiting, too, right? There's only so much you can – I think the guys were exhausted by them a little bit, and we've kind of slowed them down here in the last little bit because they had so many for classes. They had so many for the team all spring, and they're kind of used to that normal cadence over the summer where, you know, not that they want to be separated from their teams and coaches, but there's also a little bit of that natural um, – time to breathe a little bit and, and, and do their thing on their own a little bit and not be overwhelmed by, by kind of that constant barrage of, of information. So I think we try to find the right balance of how often and uh, to be uh, in communication with them. And um, it's a little bit different for each one of them. So um, I, I hopefully we're finding the right balance. Joined by Rutgers men's golf head coach, Rob Schutte. Coach Chris Goderup has really emerged as one of the best golfers in the country. He was Big Ten golfer of the year this past year, a first-team All-Big Ten performer as well. He won the Les Bostad Award this year, which is given to the player with the lowest stroke average in the Big Ten. And look, I can go on and on with accolades. What makes Chris such a special talent and so dynamic when he's on the course? Well, you look at the way the game has gone here in professional golf, um, you know, the way the, the way the guys are driving the ball and the way they're wedging it close and making the putts. And so for Chris, he is... Uh, he's an athlete, and he drives the ball a long, long way. And so when he has, you know, he's, he's worked so hard in developing his uh, his putting and, and his short game and his and his wedges. And so when he has everything clicking, he can just overpower uh, a golf course um, and, and, and just dominate. I mean, you saw how he won another name by eight shots over a field that's, that's really, really, really good. And, and so, again, he's not going to do that every time, but when he has his A game, uh, he has some some qualities, you know, the ability to hit his two iron out there, you know, the way most guys hit out their their, their three wood or maybe their driver. He just he just hits the ball uh, differently, and um, and that's really the big difference maker. And you know, you know, best best hands we have on the team right now, and and again, he's really developed his putting. And you know, overall, and then you know, on top of that, he we works really hard. He just works his butt off, and those are the things that. You know, if you have talent, it's great, but, uh, you know, how do you work on it? So, um, sky's the limit for Chris. I mean, he's, he's, he's got the, he's got the modern game, the way that you have to be. You look at what the guys are doing out on tour and he has those qualities. So, you know, it's a matter of, is he going to stay humble and, and stay hungry? And if he stays humble and hungry, um, you know, it's, you know, it could stay injury free, you know, the sky's the limit for him. So we just couldn't be you know, prouder of him and, and the way he's developed, the way he's worked on it uh, while he's been here at Rutgers. And uh, we can't wait to get the next season started with him. So, Coach, it's obvious during your time here on the Banks that your expectation for Rutgers golfers is not only success on the course, but success in the classroom and in the community as well. Would you say those three pillars are what you want to define a Scarlet Knights men's golfer by? And how have you and your staff and your team really gone about working to achieve those goals, specifically if you want highlight those in the community outreach setting? Yeah, a couple. you hit a couple big pillars there for us. I, mean, I think, first of all, and maybe in our world, and maybe it's for other sports too, but I know 
it gets thrown around. You talk to recruits like, oh, you know, are you guys a golf school? Are you a golf school? Are you guys a golf school? And it was like, are you a golf school? And I think it's like, of course we're a golf school, but I don't think we need to limit ourselves that mentality in the golf world. Um, you know, to are we, are we a golf or academic? It's like, well, why can't we just be brilliant at, at both? I don't understand. It's only it's not like anyone has full time jobs here. I, I think we can get a lot done during uh, during a given day. Um, and uh, so let's. You know, let's focus on let's let's be awesome at both. So you know, look at our team. GP. It's gone up for eight straight years. Um, it took over. I've been you know, you know, it's been brick by brick, and now with the three point four six or whatever it is. So QMG GPA as a team. Uh, on the community side, one of the things that's been challenging. We had a solution, and then we had the pandemic. But one of the hardest things has been you know, we're like one of the only sports that plays a regular season in the, in the fall, and then a, a championship regular season in the spring, and you're really limited to a few hours and a few days, a few weeks, whatever they've got there in November and December, where you're not really having a, a lot of requirements on the athletic side, unlike other sports that have a whole, you know, uh, maybe a whole fall season or a whole spring season where they're, they're working out, but they have a lot more built-in time. So for us, it's been hard to find ways to do the community stuff, and we actually then had a great solution. We went out and bought, uh, through donations, uh, snag golf equipment, and we were rolling out a whole growth program where we could take these programs in the winter time when we were available when it wasn't sunny outside to do our sport uh and we had that all ready to go in in, in march and then of course it got shut down by the pandemic so moving forward we have a really nice game plan for our guys of course with the the virus allowing it and, and how that gets uh, opened up with safety measures in the fall hopefully but if not whenever it's safe we're going to have a really great growth of the game uh initiative and 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 product and, and the deliverable for the you know, those kids that are in elementary school in the neighborhood areas, that, in, in neighboring areas, I should say, you know, surrounding areas of Piscataway to uh, to grow the game. So let's be let's be brilliant at all three phases of the game. You know, you got to win a football game. You got to be good in offense, defense and special teams. You know, for, for us to be a Rutgers golfer, uh, you know, we're always looking for this, the people who are smart, who have uh, who want to be amazing in school. We're looking for players who are, of course, very successful on the course, uh, you know, in the field of play already on golf, but also have a lot of upside, a lot of a lot of growth still to go because of early ripe, early rot. You know, they get there, if they, if they peak before they get here, that's a problem. We've got to have guys that have a lot of growth potential. And then also guys who get the whole picture, right? They want to represent Rutgers the right way. They want to, they, they think it's, a, it's awesome to connect with the community and then grow the game and do the different things we ask them to do. So, you know, I think what all golfers really struggle with, and I know I do every uh, every weekend I get on the course, is the mental part of the game. You know, obviously there's a mental part to every sport, but in golf, you can really become your own worst enemy and get inside your own head. How do you and your staff approach the mental side of the game and the short-term memory needed when playing to move past the bad shot, you know, right after it happens? Yeah, that's always, uh, that's one of the hardest things to coach because you just... You just can't see it, right? I mean, you, you, you're kind of trying to pick up on body language. You're trying to pick up on conversations. You don't want to – it's certainly a delicate part of the game. I think that the mental coaching, it begins with knowing your players so well. Like, you can't – it's kind of like, you know, my wife or my kids, you know, and you can pick up on very subtle body language type things that you know, somebody else might not pick up on. And uh, But you know them so well, you hopefully pick up on them. And, uh, you know – we're not always right, but we try to get to know them so well where you can see a, a slight change and where you know when you might need to be able to come in with a, a different message uh, during a tournament particularly or even uh, outside of the tournament, right, and just try to push those right buttons. Uh, we've certainly been trying to get some more involvement uh, with some other uh, sports doctors to be involved with our team and provide additional resources for those guys, which has been good too, you know, personality profiling tests. We do that with all of our, our top recruits. We're going to give them a, a 
personality tests and, and, and make sure that they'd be good fits for us and good fits for the team and know how they're going to learn best, how they're going to respond best. So we're not pushing the wrong buttons at the wrong time and, and, and setting them backwards. And um, so we're, we're, we're always open to that science. We're trying to get better at the science. We're trying to continue to get better at that area because you're right. Our, our, our game consists of like uh, two minutes of actual activity and then the rest of it's just walking and, and thinking. And, and uh, you got to keep, uh, you got to keep that brain in a good spot. Yeah, no, me personally, and I'm sure all average golfers can kind of say the same. I get into my head all the time when I'm on the course. Um, this this past year, your program really took a step forward, obviously posting the lowest team average score since 1993. And I think what sets you up so well is that you achieved a lot this past year with a young roster. So many returning golfers as you look to build off of this recent success. When you think about next year, what really excites you? What are you most looking forward to when you get back on the course and get back together with your team? Yeah, so much to be excited about. You know, when we, we're going to have a great schedule. Um, we think it's going to be as it is. Of course, it could be some change for the pandemic here still with, with what we're able to do. But uh, we love the schedule. Uh, we love the fact that, yeah, the freshmen, both of them playing in every tournament. So, you know, you're, yeah, you, you add a lot of um, a lot of reps right there. You know, going to those tournaments, they know what college golf's about. They know what travel's like. They know how well they can fit in these tournaments. You know, I think no matter how accomplished a junior is, there's still a level of needing to feel comfortable uh, in, in the tournaments they never played in there before, like a college tournament. And, uh, yeah, so you get a lot of experience come back. You know, we're very excited about our freshmen coming in and Russ Sellers. Uh, you know, we were very active and talking to a lot of transfers, but uh, not, not always the right fit for us. So we're, we're very excited. Nine guys with a, a lot of experience. You know, Rhett, again, hasn't played, but other than that, you got, uh, you know, you got a lot of experience coming back. So um, a lot of talent. You got like guys like Shaler Dance, who finished ninth at the Big Tens as a freshman. Uh, you know, we had a hard time cracking the lineup last year, and that just shows the depth, right? So uh, he's a guy where, again, he can come back. Jack Darty, who hasn't played a whole lot, but he's been on a tremendous upswing uh, the last, you know, six, eight months or so. And you, you throw a guy like Oliver Watley, He'll be a senior who's won college tournament before. He's won as a freshman, uh, and if he can drive the ball well, he can play with anybody in the conference. Uh, and you just go down the list uh, of all these different guys we have. That, in addition to Chris, who you, again you're going to rely on to, to be the top guy. So, uh, a lot of talent, and a lot of guys who have hopefully gone to some of these tournaments. And, and that swagger, I think, it's every year because our rankings drop for whatever it is, eight straight years. You continue to. You know, to believe that, like, yeah, of course, if we play well, we're going to be here in the hunt. And, and that's kind of been uh, newer every year. It's just kind of, it's just gotten, you know, the, the, that belief has gotten deeper and deeper. And uh, so hopefully that year, you know, this year that continues. Coach, a couple more before I let you go. While you didn't attend Rutgers, your family background is scarlet through and through. Your dad, Bob, played football and baseball here in the late 60s into the early 70s. And your mom, Catherine, is also a Rutgers grad and I believe a W, uh, not a WRC, a Daily Targum alum, I should say. When you did get the opportunity to come here, I'm sure it must have been pretty cool for you to join your parents' alma mater and get your foot in the door at Rutgers just as they did a few decades ago. Yeah, it's very, very cool. You know, I, you, know, you knew Rutgers growing up, like, vaguely, like, going to alumni baseball games and I could kind of visualize the fields and, like, seeing the, the rack across the street and knowing if I went in it. And then we'd go down there for, you know, some basketball games on the women's side. So my sisters are all big basketball and so you knew enough about Rutgers and a lot of family going there, but really, once you got to Rutgers, then it was like, whoa, now this is really, you know, really fits my personality so well, which is you know, how gritty everybody is and tough and just Jersey and just kind of, it actually, you know, of course, made me appreciate uh, even more the connections with, um, you know, with my family, my father and my mother going there and like hearing stories that you, know, you run into 
various people everywhere uh, who, who approached me and, oh, yeah, I played Rutgers, uh, I played football and whatever, 72. Oh, really? And you know my father. Oh, and they did tell stories about my father. And, of course, they met a mother following my father in, in the Daily Target and writing stories about him. And so uh, it's really, really cool to kind of slowly peel away stories with people that you meet at Rutgers who knew them uh, and, and, and knew kind of the situation. And I think it's, uh, it's just such a fun thing to be able to share uh, with my kids and connecting them to their grandparents that this is where they went you know we were in the barn a couple months ago they happened to be in the area and they, they were sitting in the same chairs they sat in when they were dating or whatever and to be able to just little stuff like that's cool to try to introduce them to my kids so they have an appreciation of their grandparents history on that side so um you know it's, it's hard to put it into words how cool that is and um you know, maybe it's better that I didn't go to Rutgers exactly. And then now I come into it later in life and can kind of connect all the dots of, of uh, my parents and, and, um, and be able to live it that way. Coach, last one for me. You were recently named by Golf Week the Division One Northeast Northeast Coach of the Year. So congratulations on that first and foremost. But that's got to be pretty special for you to be recognized like that. When you found out you received uh, the recognition, what was going through your mind? And how do you feel to be given such a well-deserved honor? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um it was really a shot. I was tipped off by somebody by accident. So I had no idea. I'm not really, one of the things that I love about Rutgers is and I tell it to recruits, you know, with all the professional sports teams, um, you know, a lot of schools in the big 10, they're great, but you know, you, they're going to get loved no matter what. You got to be awesome at Rutgers to get some attention in the, in this media market where we live in. And, and that's what I strive for. Uh, you talk to recruits this morning, you, I'll talk to recruits this afternoon. And it's like, you know, what do you look for? Are you looking for people on the people side, people you want to wake up for at 5 a.m. in the morning and go work for on the golf side? You need, you know, what people who can help us beat Illinois. Like it's all about, you know, winning championships and, and being excellent. And, um, it's, and and that's what I get motivated by. You know, I'm, I'm currently the number one ranked ping pong player of the team. I'm motivated, <laughs> by, that. I'm motivated by being, you know, trying to be the best. And, you know, so when we got the award, the very first thoughts was, you know, this is uh, a what a great team award in recognition of like I just think about our alumni who you know are not there right now, but I coached a couple years ago, and they're all part of this process of of making us better every year. Where it kind of leads up to this one award for me, but it's a team award of just recognition that we've now become uh, considered you know one of the best now uh, you know in our region. And then the other thing that goes to my mind is. And again, you tell it to recruits, and I'm just—I'm not somebody who's big on like I'm not a trophy kind of guy of like oh I I, I, I wouldn't even I don't have anything on display about anything that I've ever done anywhere, and that's because I'm just motivated by doing more. So I think when you see it, you're like all right, how do we expand that footprint? How, you know, what's what's going to take to be national coach of the year? Because if we do that, that means that we're not, you know winning Big Ten championships and things like that. So um, again, alumni, assistant coach, all the support people, it's it's great, and now it's like well we got to keep that bar high and and expand the footprint every year somehow. So. Um, yeah, that's, those are the couple things that go through my mind. He's the head coach of Rutgers Golf, and like all coaches, cannot wait to get back with their teams and turn their focus to the upcoming season. Coach Shooty, thanks so much for joining me. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we look forward to seeing your program continue to progress every year. I look forward to that as well. I look forward to joining you again soon. I want to thank Coach Shooty for coming on the podcast and giving me some time to talk Rutgers men's golf. You know, as I said in the beginning, the Olympic sports really form some true bright spots when it comes to Rutgers athletics. And look, Rutgers golf this past season is certainly one of those shining lights. A top half of the Big Ten finished this past year, the first time that has happened since joining the Big Ten. They had the Big Ten golfer of the year this season in Chris Goderup. 
and he returns next season as well. And this past year, the team produced their lowest team scoring average since 1993, 27 years, almost three decades. The best news is that really everyone returns. They're losing lone senior Tony Jang, and the loss of Tony, who's going pro, is certainly a tough one for the Scarlet Knights. But they bring back youth, they bring back experience, and they still have that team leader and top-level golfer to help steer the ship. While so much of the attention goes to football and basketball, I know I do my best to highlight all the Olympic sports because there's just so much to talk about with them. It's not only golf, it's all the programs that don't get the recognition that they truly deserve. We see progress in both men's and women's basketball and wrestling and now with Coach Ciano in football. But there are so many great things happening in the programs that don't get the same amount of coverage as the revenue sports. These programs are representing Rutgers on the field of competition, in the classroom, and in the community. And they bring great pride to all Scarlet Knight fans here on the banks follow on the banks on twitter at otb underscore sb nation and subscribe to us on apple podcasts just search on the banks podcast